you're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about Pastor Johnny Enlow getting prophetic with sporting events, Rachel Hamm asking angels to protect her from election shenaniganery, Kent Christmas's recent bizarre supernatural claims. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Next one is an email from Thomas. This pops up frequently while watching your videos. Is YouTube trying to counter my atheist indoctrination? Does it tie in with Kat Kerr's heavenly limb closet? That's funny. That's an old reference that not everybody will get. That's good, though. I like that. Thought you might find it amusing and or useful. Thanks for everything. Yeah, somebody actually, somebody else, they linked this video, this YouTube video. Someone else sent me this too, and I thought it was interesting enough to play. Watch this. If you know of somebody that's blind, they're deaf, they're crippled, they have an incurable condition, or maybe they're missing an arm or a leg or a bodily part, I want you to encourage them. Please encourage them to come to our miracle services. They take place the first Saturday of each month at 6 p.m. This dude is literally claiming that he's capable of regrowing people's limbs. No joke. Look at this woman. I didn't notice this at first. Apparently she has some kind of a device around her midsection here or whatever, like, I don't know, a brace of some sort, and she's talking, and then she stands up and runs. Okay. Wow. All right. Let's keep listening. First Saturday of each month at 6 p.m., and then they continue that Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It'll take place right here at Agape Church in Wentzville, Missouri. The address is 140 North Point Prairie in Wentzville, Missouri. And our phone number is 636-327-5632. Kind of daring, putting your phone number and your address down, but okay. Melbond.com. I should look at this website. All that information is on the screen. Or you can go to Melbond.com. The Bible says in Mark 9, 23, Jesus said this, All things are possible to them that believe. Yeah, here's the thing. The last chapter of Mark is fake, or the last half of the last chapter of Mark, I guess. Most Bibles have this in it. It says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 to 20. These verses, 9 to 20, they're fake. They were added centuries later by monks. They don't belong in the Bible, and for that reason, a lot of Bibles don't even have it anymore. These verses are the ones that basically solidify the idea of faith healing, like this guy is doing here. Exorcisms, snake handling, the idea of eternal condemnation, hellfire, if you don't, if you disobey God or whatever. Speaking in tongues, drinking poison, I mean, the whole nine yards, it's all here. It's all in the fake verses at the end of Mark. And here we have this guy doing a popular charlatan's trick where they do that like this leg lengthening thing where they pull your leg out or they fix your leg or whatever else and they make you think that they're doing it through the divine power of jesus christ honestly grotesque that somebody would pretend to perform a miracle on people like this so incredibly deeply wrong to take advantage of people's deepest fears and and concerns and pain A lot of people who are watching this are are likely disabled. I mean, it's probably targeting people who are disabled, trying to get them 
to go to this church or to donate to this church because he's convincing them that he can heal them. Deeply, deeply wrong. As I study the original language of the Bible, that I find there are well over 100 verses in the New Testament where God clearly tells us that those people that are missing bodily parts, that he wants them to have a recreation. He's literally saying he can regrow amputated limbs. That's what he's saying here. He can regrow amputated limbs. Bodily parts to be recreated. And uh, a good example is in Matthew in chapter 15, where great multitudes followed Jesus. And the Bible clearly says all those, it says all of them that were blind, all that were deaf, those that were crippled, had incurable conditions. The Bible says Jesus healed those. Then he went on to say, and the maimed were made whole, using a totally different word. That word whole in the original language, in the Greek, and that... You see what's happening on screen. If you're just listening and not watching, it, it, it's this video of a woman sitting in a wheelchair, incapable of standing, presumably. He comes over and he's praying over her, I guess, and she stands up out of the wheelchair and walks it out. You cannot tell me he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. This woman was not in a wheelchair before. These people that he's showing on here were not incapable of walking around. They were not disabled. I refuse to believe that he's literally regrowing limbs like that. Perform it right in front of my eyes. I'll believe it. Not a second sooner. And until you do perform it right in front of my eyes, I'm going to view what you're doing as absolutely grotesque. That word whole in the original language, in the Greek, in that verse, it's only used for a recreation. And so that word is used well over 100 times in the New Testament. And so the main, those missing bodily parts, that they were recreated. I want you to know, Hebrews 13, 8 is true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know also, we're making a fool out of the devil. And yourselves. That bolo tie did it in for me. I'm sorry, man. You, you just, it doesn't work for you. You need to find a different type of tie. Grotesque stuff, man. Grotesque stuff. But you know what? I have to say, I'm glad that Thomas got this video rather than somebody who is emotionally vulnerable and an easy mark for con men like this guy. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hello, this is your friendly Texas Satanist again, Madison. My question is, do you think it's fair for people to judge religious founders, founders of any sort of organized following like that, for individuals who happen to be against it to judge what they did beforehand? My example for that would be... Well, before you give an example, let me just answer it from how I feel pre-example. I know that one example would be like Shane Vaughn. He's a uh, televangelist, pastor kind of guy, a megachurch leader, who got himself into hot water for basically a life insurance scam that he was running, uh, like defrauding life insurance companies. He went to jail, got his mugshot taken, the whole nine yards. And it was really, really ugly uh, for him. He made a lot of bad mistakes. And I think that speaks to his trustworthiness as a religious leader. People instill a lot of trust in this guy. 
And the fact that he was running scams, kind of defrauding people beforehand is a little bit questionable. But who am I one to speak? You know, I was an addict at one point and I got myself into all kinds of trouble before when I was, you know, before I got clean and all that stuff. So I don't know. It's kind of hit or miss. I guess it depends on the situation generally. But let's listen to your example. We see a lot of Christian um, websites, articles, making fun of Anton LaVey for having previously been working in the carnival. Okay, yeah, that's a fair point, working in a carnival. Like, I don't, look, I worked at Burger King, and I don't feel like the previous job that I did really affects my job now or my credibility now. Like, the job that you did doesn't really affect your credibility, in my opinion. Your previous behavior may be an indicator for future behavior, though. That's kind of my take on it. Hey, Owen, this is Alex from uh, New York. I have a question for you. So I like the love the channel and everything that you do uh, regarding religion and uh, cults. I have a question for you, though. Um, I wanted to get your uh, really get more get your thoughts on uh, Eastern uh, philosophies or uh, schools of thought, uh, you know, such as like Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, Taoism, things like that. Um, it's something that I'm interested in. I'd love to hear your take on it. Uh, that's pretty much it. Love the channel. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that a lot of like Eastern religions, Buddhism and all the others like that, they have historically been the root of a lot of New Age wooey stuff. So I, I'm kind of I'm kind of cautious when dealing with religions like that because it's a quick way to lead yourself down like an ugly path that's kind of hard to get out of in for some people also I, i'm not really sure i see the point what is the point some people say they want to be buddhist because it offers a moral structure that they really like but what made you decide that that moral structure or those moral values it espouses were good in the first place you decided that those morals were virtuous, that you liked them, that you want to live your life that way. The religion isn't deciding that those are good for you. You had to have some understanding that those are virtuous before you even walked into it, or you wouldn't have recognized them as such. So what's the point of Buddhism if you already understand these morals to be good and virtuous? You can just take the morals and live that way, and you don't have to take all the other stuff that comes with it, all the religious stuff. So I don't really have a problem with anybody being any religion they want, honestly, at all. I really don't. But I don't, I just really don't see the point in being religious. That's all. I have no problem with it. I just don't see the point, personally. Hey, Owen. Uh, I'm Zach, 14, from Georgia, and uh, as an atheist who goes to a Christian school, I want to know what your advice is for helping others to be open-minded to other ideologies. The reason I say this is because the people I go to school with have been there pretty much their whole lives and are taught really biased teachings from their teachers. Yeah, that's a hard situation, uh, dealing with people who are closed-minded and have been their entire lives, and there doesn't seem to be like an exit for them. How do you help them get exposed to other lifestyles other types of people how do you help them recognize that there are people out there that are not just like them and the answer is to talk about it 
to come out if you're an atheist. I mean, don't do this if it's too dangerous. Absolutely, do not do it if, if you're not safe to do it. But this is how it's done. If you want to open people up to other mindsets to broaden their horizons, you have to come out and tell them, I'm an atheist. You have to tell them, I'm gay, I'm trans, I'm this, I'm that. You need to help them understand that you are a person that's different from them and there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with who you are either. Every time somebody comes out of the closet, it makes it that much easier for the next person to come out of the closet. You had an uncle who was hateful and bigoted and he just found out that you're gay and he said to himself, well, you know, I love Jimmy. He's not that bad and nothing's really different now that I know he's gay. There's really no difference. You just made it that much easier for the next person in the world to be gay. For the next person that your uncle comes across who's gay. Just made it that much easier for them. That's how we broaden people's horizons. That's how we open them to new ideas. Introduce them to them, whether they like that or not. A lot of people won't, but we are who we are, and that's what it is, and we shouldn't have to hide that. Like I said, don't do that if you're not safe to do it. Only do it if you feel comfortable. But a, a big coming out campaign would be spectacularly helpful to an awful lot of people. Dwayne from Mississippi. Owen, what do you think about the Hebrew Israelites? They have some pretty crazy charismatic characters and some pretty crazy theories on everything. Is it a cult? Thank you. Good day. I appreciate the voicemail. Yes, it absolutely is. I've covered them on my channel, but it's been a long, long time. I should probably do an updated video on them. I actually live in New York City now, so I've had the opportunity to go to Times Square a little bit more often than I had before, which was literally never in my life up until recently. And there are, are Hebrew Israelites there who stand on the corner spouting off all manner of nonsense, like real disturbing stuff. I could probably do some kind of a documentary style thing where I go up and talk to them. That could be interesting, right? Uh, talk to them, ask them questions, interview them, uh, get it on camera, put it on my channel. I don't know. Maybe I'll do it. Who knows? Thanks for the uh, voicemail. Next email is from Reagan. First time writer here. I've been watching and mostly listening to your podcast for going on four years now. Wow, long time watcher. I appreciate that. Safe to say I'm a pretty avid listener. Makes me feel less alone in the conservative Midwest, more particularly Iowa. Ooh, Iowa. I know a lot of Nebraskans who are not big fans of Iowa. There's the tribalism coming in, right? Anyways, here's my question. I have a cousin who I've basically grown up with, and she's 19 at the moment. She's a Jehovah's Witness and grew up a witness, whereas I'm not. My dad's side of the family are primarily witnesses. I've been exposed to the religion since I was six, and even then, I don't think I ever saw it as normal. This could be because my mom and her family are Catholic, which made me very agnostic. Anyways, my cousin recently got married to another JW boy, and as far as I know, his family were pushing for them to get married even two months into the relationship. And her family is not happy with the obligation coming from his. Then the rest of the congregation found out, and they, and they too were pushing for them to get married. I was wondering, is this obligation and pressure to get married normal in the religion, or how is dating viewed in the religion? I said this recently, and it got me in a little bit of hot water with some of my Jehovah's Witness viewers. Some, one of them particularly disagreed with my assessment that Jehovah's Witnesses push people to get married as young as possible. In my experience, in my congregation, everybody... Everybody got married at 18 years old. They were pushed into it. Not necessarily by the religion, but the problem is you can't, like, 
be with anybody unless you're getting married. And being a teenager, that will drive you absolutely insane. You will lose your mind. So naturally, the holiest of the holiest people would go on to be pioneers or evangelists or whatever else. But the majority of the people that I knew got married at 18 years old. I don't think the the religion doesn't mandate that you get married that young, but they do mandate that you not sleep with anybody outside the religion or outside of marriage. So that leaves only one option, get married instantly. You're basically preparing to get married. That's the point of dating in the first place. So if you're dating somebody, it means you intend to marry them. You don't really date multiple people in the Jehovah's Witness religion, in my experience, once again, which is the only experience that I have to go off of. You don't date multiple people. You find somebody, you date them, and then you marry them within a couple of months. So your experience that you're having here, that's the exact experience I had. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Johnny Enlow getting prophetic with sporting events. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. If you guys are unfamiliar with Johnny Enloe, let me introduce you. He claims to be a prophet of God. Well, kind of. Not really. Just listen to this clip from him and you'll understand what I'm getting at. This one is from late December 2021, and I think it describes his position adequately. I said before uh, uh, that I don't announce myself as such. Talking about being a prophet. He doesn't announce himself as a prophet. I have been called that for more than 20 years as I travel around. I have never asked anybody to call me that. I've been introduced, uh, you know, in Baptist churches. I've been introduced to presidents and prime ministers and other things as prophet. And in none of those cases did I ask for that to happen. Yeah, I just want to point out real fast here. uh, I don't care if you asked anybody to do it. You've fostered an image that you are a prophet and you haven't reversed that image. You haven't prevented anybody from accepting that. You haven't discouraged it in any way because you want people to view you as a prophet, really, is what it is. And he comes out and says it practically in a minute. I don't call myself a cult expert because I'm not. And when people call me a cult expert, I correct them. I'm not a cult expert. I'm a cult communicator. I understand this stuff really well. I've researched the hell out of it. I know more about it than the average person, I would say. But that does not make me an expert. You may know the Bible like the back of your hand. That doesn't make you a Bible scholar or a Bible expert. That doesn't make you a prophet of God. If you really didn't believe yourself to be a prophet, then you should correct people when they incorrectly call you a prophet. But I was introduced as such and respected and, and, and accepted as such and even received a diploma of honor from uh, you know nation of Peru, something done by six different congressmen wow. Wow. for work in Peru. And really it's because prophetic words came true at a very macro or yep. Can I, and I, I want to ask this real quick, because you, you and I have talked about this a little bit. I want to make... Look, if you actually 
claim to be a prophet, or if you believe yourself to be a prophet, you should announce yourself as a prophet. You should call yourself one if you believe yourself to be one. I feel like this is a little deceitful, right? Is it just me? Is this something that Jesus would do? Be deceitful about who he is or whatever? I ask this real quick, because you and I have talked about this a little bit. I want to make sure that people hear what you're saying, what you're not saying. You're saying you've never ever been asked, you've asked, you've never asked people to call you a prophet, but you're not saying that you're not a prophet. That's correct. Okay. And, and so, you know, it's, um, uh, it, it, part of it's probably designed to take the heat off myself. Wow. Say the quiet part out loud much. But I do not say I'm not a prophet. Yeah, so Johnny Enlow claims himself to be a prophet, and there's a reason why that's important. There's a reason why that's relevant. The reason that that's important and relevant is because he released a prophetic announcement about the Kentucky Derby. The Kentucky Derby is a horse race held annually in Louisville, Kentucky. According to Wikipedia, almost always on the first Saturday in May, capping the two-week-long Kentucky Derby Festival. You wouldn't think this is very popular, right? But there are a weird number of, like, evangelicals and, like, politicians and stuff that go to this. I had no idea. In fact, I think Trump went to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, Trump attended the 2022 Kentucky Derby. I really had no idea that it was as popular as it is, but here we are. So, anyway, Johnny Unlow, he had some things to say about the Kentucky Derby. Listen to this, early May 2022. People need to know that sometimes I get, whatever, troll, trolls or just complainers about the prophetic in general. And they think that the point is like, if you're really prophetic, why don't you tell us ahead of time who's who's going to win? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. If you're really prophetic, tell us who's going to win. Isn't that what prophecy is? God providing secret information to you like that nobody else has access to. You're telling us you can tell the future. That's what it means, isn't it? I'll be honest. Nine times out of ten, I don't know. That's not something a prophet would say, is it? But it's more important even of more value to the body of Christ, to have someone prophetically explain the significance of what just took place than just to say, I just checked off my list. It proves I'm a prophet. I said so. Yeah, and so forth, yeah. it's not about that, is it? No. It's not about that at all. Okay, so uh, from my understanding, it seems like what he's telling us is that if he came out and said which horse was going to win, then he would it would just be him trying to prove that he's a prophet, and that's not what it's about. He's trying to derive secret meaning from the Kentucky Derby. Is that right? Am I reading this correctly? For, I know we're going to play that clip in a minute, but before we do, I want to just be sure that people understand what you said on this show many times, but there's always new people joining, that when there's a major uh, championship, basketball, baseball, the, the uh, Kentucky Derby, the triple, all of those things, many others you know um, god will use those occasions and and you i'm going to say and then you tell me how you would correct what the way i'm saying god will use those occasions to speak to people who have ears to hear and eyes to see is that about it absolutely let me just try to reason my way through this if possible why would God use sporting events to communicate with people? Why wouldn't he just instantly give us the message in our minds just like that? Anybody who isn't involved in church to some degree, or anybody who doesn't know Johnny Enlow specifically, wouldn't know that was there was some spiritual thing happening at the Kentucky Derby, right? The only way that 
they would know that some spiritual, crazy, prophetic thing was taking place is if they listened to Johnny Enloe speak, in which case God could just give Enloe the message that he could convey to his congregation and the same people would know about it anyways. What's the point in claiming that God is prophetically, secretly conveying information to an audience or, or to everybody watching the Derby, but only Johnny Enloe can interpret it? This is just strange stuff, dude. If you think that's strange, though, it gets stranger. Johnny Enloe has been making prophecies or claiming to divine prophetic insight from sporting events for years. Years. This is just the latest example of it. This is his Facebook post about the Kentucky Derby. It says, In one of the most shocking upsets in horse racing history, 80 to 1 odds, Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby. No one saw it coming. Who wants to share some prophetic insights they have on it? Do your own research, because if I tell you key names and numbers, it might give some of it away. I will most likely share Monday on Elijah Streams. What a message. So he's saying that there's a message that God wanted everybody to have from the horse races in Kentucky, and he wants people to tell him what they thought the secret message was that God was trying to give to people. And now, I guess on Monday, he's going to reveal his secret message to everyone. Strange stuff, man. Strange stuff. That is not the only instance of Johnny Enloe divining secret messages from sporting events, though. This next one is about the college football championship in 2021. Check this one out. Monday, the national championship game is playing, and it's, again, Alabama Crimson Tide against the Ohio State Buckeyes. I told Elizabeth as the game begins, I said, I'm expecting the Crimson Tide to win this, and I'm expecting there to be a 45 in there because the 45 would refer to president trump the 45th president also again back to the numbers isaiah 45 was about cyrus oh yeah so he's got this whole thing about donald trump so basically enlo divined from this college football game right this college football championship he received divine revelation from god god was telling him something about donald trump in this game. The guy really does worship Donald Trump. I mean, I, I, I feel very comfortable saying that after some of the things I've heard him say. Worships him. He's like the Messiah, practically. And his mention about Isaiah 45 there, he mentioned that because he thinks that Trump has the Cyrus anointing, which is this special thing. It's like this special status, this special biblical status like a special level of prophet or a special level of messiah or whatever else. He thinks that Donald Trump holds a special role in prophecy, basically. Like Trump is going to come along and fulfill some thing that God wanted to be done or whatever, based on Isaiah 45, the Isaiah anointing. And part of the reason why he drew that conclusion is because Trump was the 45th president of the U.S., and this was Isaiah 45. Pattern recognition misfiring, basically, is why this is happening. Keep listening, though. And also, again, back to the numbers, Isaiah 45 was about Cyrus, and there was the Cyrus anointing that has been on President Trump that he has not finished at all. Yeah, Trump was supposed to have done two terms for the Cyrus anointing to be completed in their theology, they believe. So Johnny Enloe 
came out and said Trump is guaranteed to win two terms, guaranteed, because the prophets came out and said he was going to win his second term. And if he doesn't win the second term, then it means all the prophets were wrong and everything. He said this before the election happened. And then the election happened and he lost. And that shattered his prophecy to pieces. So what, what does he say now? What's he saying about it now, now that his prophecy's been shattered to pieces? How does he explain this now? We could not consider him having had the Cyrus anointing if he were done now, because he's just now called to get into the really serious part mm -hmm. of the Cyrus anointing. So basically his explanation is, instead of recognizing that he was wrong about this thing from the beginning, that Donald Trump doesn't have any special biblical anointing, that he's just some loser, some nobody that lost the presidential election. Instead of accepting all of that and letting him move on with his life, he has to make a big thing out of it. He says, secretly, Trump actually did win the election, and behind the scenes, he's pulling the strings. Biden isn't actually, really, the president. Trump is president of Earth, and Biden is just the figurehead at the top that everybody blames for everything. But really, Trump is pulling all the levers. That's what he says about it. Which it seems to me that all the things going wrong in the U.S. and in the world more broadly, it seems to me that if he really does believe that, he should be blaming all those things on Trump, right? Is he? No. He's blaming Biden for all of this, of course. Internally inconsistent beliefs from the ground up with this guy. And so the game... Uh, finished and it was a landslide. It was a landslide for the Crimson Tide and they won it. And and that was that was exciting uh, all on its own. But I was even looking, I said, Lord, you said 45. It was 52 to 24. Huh, no 45 in that. How about that? Do you think maybe you were wrong from the start? Do you think maybe there was no prophecy to be found in this football game? Or are you going to look for some shady explanation that barely fits the facts but what was amazing i looked on the screen and they they listed ohio state score first and then they listed the, the score of alabama crimson tide and then actually when i looked in the morning on i think espn they did it the same way seems unusual usually you put the team with the higher score first and the other score afterwards actually i think i i don't We'll get like I don't get into sports, so somebody please correct me in the comments. I believe they list the home players first and the visitors second, or vice versa. I don't remember exactly what it is that they do, but yeah, he's totally off base here either way. He's he is incorrect about his assessment, but okay, you know what? Let's go along with it for argument's sake. Go on, Johnny, tell me about it. But the way that looks and the way it came out, I'll put this up right now. It was a 24. Can you see that okay, Steve? Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. That's not 45. That is 4 dash 5. Or if you want to get technical, it's a 24 dash 52. That's not 45. You just circled two numbers that are close to each other, not even next to each other, but they're in the same area to each other. There's no 45 in there anywhere. There's a 24 and there's a 52. They're two separate distinct numbers. 24, wow. 52, and then right in the middle of that, it's kind of covert of 45. So it's a 45 with a two on either side. And I went, oh, I kind of went that even as I was watching it. There is, wow. it, 
two terms. 45 was not put in there for one term. He was put in there for two terms. It's a confirmation on either side. There's a two on either side. What 22 means as well. We won't, you know, we don't, we don't want to dizzy people with numbers. Too late, man. Too late. But the 45 was there right in the middle. And so that was another confirmation. The Lord saying, I'm putting Trump in a second term. And it's not later. It's back to back. It's right now. It's part of the crimson tide that's coming in. He really does believe this stuff, doesn't he? This is unhinged, dude. This is absolutely unhinged. Doesn't end there. This last clip was mid-January 2021, the one we just watched, right? The next clip was early February 2021. So it's just a month later. He did the exact same thing about a new game. This one was about the Super Bowl. I'm going to make right up front a connection with number 45 intercepting, we'll call it intercepting the enemy in the end zone. And that's when the celebration takes place. And I'm going to connect that with our president, number 45, Donald Trump. The Cyrus 45, Isaiah 45 anointing. And so that's where it ends. That's that's the moment of celebration. This guy has some crazy weird obsession with Donald Trump and reads into every event that takes place in his life. Everything. Every single thing that he's ever interested in, he's, he finds some way to tie it back to Donald Trump. Old fans of mine will probably recognize this from a few months ago, but... It's not just games. It's not just like sports games or whatever. He gets a nursery rhyme stuck in his head, a nursery rhyme, and finds a way to turn it back to Donald Trump. Before we go on, I want to just, because this is part prophetic declaration at all. The way I heard it is not Humpty Dumpty is going to fall down. What I actually heard was just what the nursery rhyme says. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. So this is, as we move forward, uh, we want to take note that this is a declaration in the spirit of something that has already happened. And all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, it, it's fun to laugh at, and I do. I laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> uproariously, if you will. But this guy really is very influential, and we should take him pretty seriously. He influences people. He's very powerful, has a big mega church. And he helps write curriculums for private schools and things like that. He talks to people who write the curriculums. He explains his beliefs, and they convey that to the people who actually write this stuff. It's important that we talk about this. Interestingly enough, he actually wrote another Facebook post about more sports-related prophecies, July 22nd of 2021. Listen to this. Some have noted how I've been a bit absent on the sports results recently, and I will explain. The agenda behind so much of what's being pushed through the various sports leagues makes them suddenly quite unattractive, and so with the diminished time of watching them, I'm not really seeing all the underlying messaging that I usually do. Having said that, I did note that the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup again. Wait, God's trying to give you secret messages through sports, isn't he? Why would you not watch this to get those secret messages from God? It seems like you're supposed to be receiving this secret information. He's giving it to you. Why aren't you watching this? Having said that, I did note that the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup again and that it was quickly followed with news of a lightning strike on the George Floyd mural that destroyed it. I don't know that that's true. I prefer to fact check literally every single item 
that this guy says every fact that he makes claims about because I don't think that he's being uncharitable or that he's specifically making things up. I don't think negatively of this guy specifically, but I think that he doesn't fact check anything. I think he gets on Facebook or Rumble or wherever and sees all these bizarre unhinged claims that have no connection to reality, aren't true in any way, shape or form. And he believes it instantly because it's from somebody that he knows or whatever. So I fact check literally everything that the guy ever says, ever. So don't don't just go out and trust blindly that there really was a lightning strike on the George Floyd mural. It's easily fact checked. Don't believe it unless you do. I will just say that the lightnings of God will be showing up to expose and destroy false narratives and hidden agendas. What does that mean? Congratulations as well to the Milwaukee Bucks for their first NBA championship in 50 years. Their star player, Janice, scored 50 points in the final as they defeated the Phoenix Suns. The two sets of 50 plus it being the bucks as in dollars confirms a special jubilee operation I had. Oh my god, dude, this is getting unhinged. As if it wasn't already. Confirms a special jubilee operation I've spoken of with July being key for it. Of note as well is that two finalist teams were from Arizona and Wisconsin. The Arizona team won the first two games, and then it ended with the team from Wisconsin having the wins. Might this be an election scenario tied in with the audits that are going on? Let's watch and see. Turns out, no, it wasn't. How about that? You were wrong all along. Actually, you know what happened with the audits, the the election audits? Turns out Joe Biden got more votes than they initially thought after the audits. That's what the audits discovered. I'm talking about the audits that were checking ballots for bamboo fibers because they thought China sent ballots into the U.S. Yeah, those audits found that Joe Biden actually got more votes than initially expected, than initially counted. How about that? So yeah, we got to see how the audits played out. We got to see the scenario unfold. Turns out there was nothing there. Just like there's nothing in your sports prophecies. Guess what he did for this last Super Bowl, 2022? Made another prophecy. Who could have guessed? The Cincinnati Bengals almost won with a 75-yard touchdown play uh, that was made possible by a face mask penalty. Should have been a penalty. So if you watch the game, you will see that the Cincinnati Bengals, they're throwing the ball. The receiver grabs the face mask of the defender, essentially throws him to the ground with it, and the referees don't call it. And they got a touchdown, and that almost won the game for the the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, a face mask. Wow. Illegal, illegal <sighs> use of hands on the face mask. And so a defender was pulled down. If you look at the numbers there, again, we're trying to do this slow enough where you can uh, write it down, and, and if not, you can listen to it again. Because it's prophecy. He wants to say it slowly because it's prophecy, and he wants you to write this down and do the math and calculate it out and figure it all out because this is prophecy from God. God is sending you a message through Johnny Enlow. The Bengals, for the game, had 305 or 306 yards, to try to find out the official numbers. 305 or 306, the losing team, the Bengals, had that many yards. Well, 75 of those yards came from that illegal play. That if you, that it should have been, people were tweeting all over the place, coaches, sports stars, all over. It's like, how can the referees miss that? How do they miss that? How do they miss that? Everybody saw the pulling of the face mask. And so on their 
totals for the game, it shows 305 yards, but it should just be 220 yards because those 75 yards should not have counted. Yeah, I'm not a sports person. I don't really fully understand the context here. I mean, I, I, I'm getting bits and pieces, but just keep listening. Keep listening. So what's the coordination? Well, the man who sits in the White House right now. Somehow he routes this back to Donald Trump and Joe Biden. He won allegedly with 305 electoral votes. Oh, wow. The same. And there is using of a face mask, illicit use of face masks mm -hmm. were used in order to put him there. So you see in a very nuanced way, this game was telling us what had been taking place, how the enemy tried to use face masks in order to defeat who was supposed to uh, win. So that's that's um, number one. Wow, that's number one. Do I really want to know what the next like 17 numbers were or whatever? Somehow this always comes back to Trump, always. This is his corresponding Facebook post about this. I'm sure it's just a big coincidence that the game ends when Donald sacks Joe. I guess Donald and Joe were the names of the football players. I, I have no idea. Will he ever give up on Trump? That's my question. Will he ever give up on Trump? I'm not sure, man. I think this guy is as genuine as they come. I really do. I think he believes everything that he's saying. I think he buys it. I think he eats it up hook, line, and sinker. But I'm not sure if he will ever give up on Trump or not. Let me know what you think in the comments. Gorlax sports numbers everywhere. Just find the one you want. Absolutely. There are like a billion games by a billion different people. Like how many different colleges out there? Each one has their own team. Each team plays all these different games. And he seems to be like analyzing and criticizing every single game. Like, I, you know, these are just the examples that I found in the past couple of years. There are countless Facebook posts that I haven't gone through, countless streams on Elijah's thing, countless church sermons that this dude does every week, every year, that I have not analyzed. And the guy is constantly bringing up sports of all different sorts. I mean, how many examples can I find of him going to different games and saying, look, there's a 45 in this score, and look, this face mask was grabbed here, and look, the score was over there. It's just ridiculous, dude. I just do not get how this guy processes stuff and doesn't see how completely full of it he is. Next, we're going to talk about Rachel Ham asking angels to protect her from election shenaniganery. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Rachel Hamm's been doing a media circuit lately, and the reason is because she's running for Secretary of State of California. That's why we need to talk about her. I have to say, though, the things she's saying are entertaining as hell to listen to. So let me just reintroduce you to her real quick. As I said, she's running for Secretary of State. She's doing a media circuit, and she went on this guy's podcast with none other than Johnny Enloe himself, self-proclaimed prophet, and she had some interesting things to say. So let's listen to this, mid-March 2022. What was the 
the the reason behind deciding to run for this office? I mean, you've got a lot of things. First of all, I'm a prophetic dreamer. So I had spent a lot of 2019 and 20 having a lot of political dreams that I was in office. A lot of political dreams that I was in office. And as she says, she's a seer. I just want to point out that this group that she's a part of, this Christian group, she's an evangelical, a traditional, regular old evangelical, just like your grandma who watches Kenneth Copeland or whatever, just like it. I just want to point out that this is not a standard Christian group. The people who love Kenneth Copeland, the people who buy into his beliefs, the people who watch Robin Bullock, Kat Kerr, Johnny Enlow, all of these people, they are not like you. They're, if you're a Christian, they aren't like you. They're completely different. It really is a full-blown cult. I mean, I feel like people are underestimating just how different their beliefs are from traditional Christianity. They add a whole bunch of stuff on top of it. She claims to be a dreamer and a seer. I remember reading about a time in medieval history and other times when claiming to receive visions from the supernatural realm was considered witchcraft. These people believe that they can do it on a regular basis, like right now, uh, at on command, basically. They have dreams about heaven or hell or God or whatever, and they believe these dreams are messages sent from God himself. This is a religious cult that is completely different and separate from traditional Christianity, from traditional Protestantism the thing that you probably grew up with if you're a Christian. It's a religious cult that has seized the reins of control in the United States. And if Mormons and Catholics and every other religious group out there really realized how different they are from everybody else, they would be scared shitless at the idea that they are actually in political power right now. Let's keep listening to Rachel Ham. Now, she's told us that she's a dreamer, quote-unquote, or a seer. She receives supernatural visions from beyond this dimension or whatever. Keep listening. And because our youngest son, Ezekiel, is a seer, I went and got him. And I said, hey, can you look around and see what you're seeing? Because I, I just really, I get a kick out of hearing him describe, you know, what he sees. And so I said, you know, tell, let me know if you see anything. And so he looked in my bedroom and my bathroom. And he said, there's nothing there. And then he goes into the closet, which is where I had been when I was praying. And he said, whoa. And his eyes got like big as saucers. And he kind of like started backing away and they started bending down. And he said, you've got a really big guy in your closet. That's what she said. And he, his power is pushing me to the ground. And we had never had, he'd never had that reaction ever whoa. to an angel. And so I'm like, is he, he's, he's for us, not against us. Right. Cause I was <laughs> Or, you know, response. And he's like, he's full of light. He's so full of light. I can't even see his face. And, and then he said, and he has a scroll in his hand. And so I was like, then he came with a message. Like what? You know, all of this is extra biblical. The, the, the whole premise behind what she's telling us right now, this is all completely outside of anything that the Bible said was even possible. Being a prophet or receiving prophetic dreams or whatever else. There were people in the Bible who did that stuff. That was not standard. That was not regular. That was not for every single person in the congregation. That was for like the leadership. I've never seen another denomination of Christianity that believes this way, except for evangelicals. Mormons believe to some degree there's like prophetic revelation, that everybody can receive prophetic revelation to some degree. 
but not like this. Not like what she's describing, not really. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. If you have anything to add to what I said or, or anything you think I was wrong about, please tell me in the comments. What is the message? And the message was a commissioning. So at the very end, I asked him what his name was. Cause I thought, if, what angel is this, you know? And he said, Emmanuel, that wasn't an angel. <laughs> that wasn't an angel. That was Jesus himself. My God, this is just the cringiest stuff, dude. Cringe factor over 9,000. And so that's why I'm running for Secretary of State. So it's kind of an unconventional answer that I honestly get mocked for, but, you know, by the other side of, of, course, yeah. of this war. I don't think we're mocking you. We're just very concerned for our future with you involved in politics. That's the problem. I don't really think that anybody really mocks her. Not really. I mean, I don't even think I'm mocking her. I'm just pointing out how absolutely ridiculous this is and how concerning it is that we have somebody who's running for political office who has a real shot. I mean, she's probably not going to win. We'll take a look at her like Ballotpedia article in a minute and, you know, her Ballotpedia page tell us where she is in the polls and things like that. We'll take a look at that in a minute to see how serious it really is. But I wouldn't consider this mocking. I would consider this critically examining a candidate for political office and being very, very concerned. I mean, what is mocking? Let's just define it and see if I can get specific here. To tease or laugh at in a scornful or contemptuous manner. I'm not scornful or contemptuous about anybody that I cover. Uh, I do think some of it's kind of funny. So I do tease. Like, I just talked about Kat Kerr recently, and I, you know, that's that's amusing to me, like some of the crazy things she believes, but I don't hate her for it. You know, I'm not scornful. I don't want to hurt her or anybody else or, or their feelings or whatever else. I just feel like this is really, really ridiculous and very odd that people buy it. Neverman is here. Owen, I agree with you 100%, but if I don't laugh, I'll cry. This is the open marketplace of ideas. We should publicly shame lunacy. Personally, I'm totally down with laughing about this stuff and poking at it and stuff like that. I don't insult people. That's my line. I absolutely will laugh about it, though. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. I agree. The next clip really gets into the whole mocking thing, though. She puts her persecution complex on full display in this one. Listen to this. Late April 2022, she's still on that media circuit. Mainly, I mocked for my belief in the supernatural, which, again, I find kind of... No, no. She is not mocked for her belief in the supernatural. Some ridiculous percentage of the United States also believes in the supernatural. You're not mocked for that. If anything, if you're mocked at all, you're mocked for your bizarre, extra-biblical beliefs. A massive percentage of the U.S. believes in the supernatural just like you. But she seems to think that the Democrats are the party of the godless, quote-unquote. She says things like that. She believes that the Republican Party is the only party if you're a Christian. That's leading to like a separation. It's leading to like an us versus them mentality, which is where she finds herself now. The persecution complex that she's exhibiting here is used to build credibility, build camaraderie and loyalty and brotherhood and all of that stuff. It makes you feel like you're being attacked too when you hear somebody say that they're being attacked for 
believing in God or whatever else. It's a tactic that cults tend to use a lot. They use the persecution complex constantly to manipulate people. It's really no surprise to me that she's trying to use it to her advantage to build a voter base for herself. Again, I find kind of fun because I think, really, you're mocking my God, really, is what you're doing. No, I'm not mocking your God. I don't believe that your God is real. I'm not scornful or hateful or contemptuous of your God. I don't care about your God. I think it's ridiculous that you're sitting here telling us that you're a seer and a prophetic dreamer and all of this stuff. Like, it's bizarre. And you're saying it with a smile on your face. Like, we're the fools. When you do that, you're not making me your enemy. You're making God your enemy. And I just yeah. think, good luck to you. It's like, not winning strategy. No, it's not. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the, really the only thing I have been mocked for. Interesting. I mean, I'm talking about the godless, you know, like the, the extreme godless people that are um, operating in the occult or in darkness. And a lot of them are also connected to the media. So, and which again, yeah. I'll be mocked for saying that, but that is true. The extreme godless, and they're also connected to the media. Who else is connected to the media, Rachel? Can you tell me who, what other people you believe are connected to the media? Um, operating in the occult or in darkness and a lot. I mean, does that mean me? Uh, am I operating in darkness or whatever? I mean, I'm not a part of the occult, quote unquote. In fact, I don't think almost anybody is. I think there's a very small segment of the population who identify as pagans, but they are in no way in positions of power. And I've yet to see any evidence of them mocking you for your beliefs. So that's Rachel Ham, and that's where she is. Uh, Mid-May 2022, she came out with another one. She has a plan to protect herself from being spiritually attacked in the election that she's a part of. Listen to this one. Mid-May 2022. First of all, vote for Rachel Ham. Second thing is... No. Let's pray. Let's pray for several things. No. Let's pray that if they steal votes in the machines, the votes are flipped back. If they steal votes in machines, the votes are flipped back. Okay. She's obviously calling back to this Mike Pillow or uh, Mike Lindell of My Pillow conspiracy theory about Dominion voting machines and claiming that they flipped votes from one person to the other, blah, blah, blah. Dominion voting machines are nothing more than scantrons you guys remember taking state testing in school they had those big answer sheets and the, the little bubbles and you take your pencil and you gotta circle the bubble and you fill it all the way in every corner but not outside of the bubble because if you get outside of the bubble then the computer will read it wrong so make sure you fill in the whole bubble and nothing on the outside of the bubble and then move to the next question that that was a scantron sheet the dominion systems were basically just scantron machines for vote ballots you feed the ballot into the scantron it reads what's on the paper and sends the results through and obviously based on the fact that there was a quote-unquote forensic audit that took place in arizona after the election based on the fact that that audit turned up pretty much the exact same results as the Scantron did. I would say the Scantron, the Dominion systems are actually pretty accurate. But she's sitting here telling us that there's an entire database and a, a whole set of software on these Scantron computers that allows people to flip votes around and stuff. And that's what she's telling us right now, right? That if they steal votes in the machines, the votes are flipped back. 
if they steal votes in machines. How would they do that? It's just a document reading system, nothing more. There is no database on it. There's no advanced software that allows you to flip votes or whatever else. It's just a Scantron. Let's pray that if they create fraudulent ballots, they're incinerated. Let's ask the angels to go burn them up. No fake ballots. If they create fraudulent ballots. I mean, by saying what she's saying right now, I'm getting the impression that she believes that this is what happened in 2020. Incorrectly believes this is what happened. There were no fake ballots in 2020. I just want to put that on record. If people who are not American citizens try to vote, let's pray it doesn't work, that that vote disappears. That didn't happen. Rachel, you should know this. I, you know, I'm hesitant to believe that she doesn't know this in the first place. What did she call it? Illegal votes or whatever, like people, immigrants voting or whatever else. That was a claim from Donald Trump in the 2016 election originally. He, I believe, claimed that Hillary Clinton bust in a whole bunch of illegal immigrants, quote unquote, had them vote for her in this election or whatever else. She didn't even win the election and he was making claims like this but you know aside from that if you want to vote if you want your vote to count you have to be on the voter rolls you can't vote unless you're on voter rolls she's certainly signed up to vote right she must be she must know how this works you register to vote you sign your signature you give them your name and your birth certificate and whatever else you need okay what documents do you need to register to vote you have to be a u.s citizen you have to be 18 years old by december 31st so on and so forth be a resident of the state and the county city or village for at least 30 days before the election not be in prison or on parole for a felony conviction. I, I disagree with that one. You should be allowed to vote. You still live in the country, even if it's in prison. You still live here. You should have a say. Not be adjudged mentally incompetent by a court. Not claim the right to vote elsewhere. And the documents you'll need are New York State driver's license, permit, or non-driver ID card, zip code currently on record with the DMV, and social security number. And to get a New York state driver's license, you need a birth certificate and a social security card, I think, and a bunch of other documents. That's just what you need to register to vote. You need all the documentation to register. Registering to vote itself is kind of a process. It's difficult. Rachel, you realize that immigrants do not have social security numbers or birth certificates from the United States, right? You do realize that, right? They can't vote. They are literally incapable of voting. When you go to the polling location, they ask for your name, they look you up in the voter rolls. If you're not there, you can't vote. So this claim by Trump that Hillary bust in a bunch of quote unquote illegal immigrants or whatever was nonsense from the start. I can't believe anybody even bought it at the time. But here we are six years later with Rachel Ham repeating it. She must know she's full of it. She must know that, right? Any attempt, any of the 1000 ways that they are attempting to cheat, let's pray that it doesn't work, that, that their schemes to cheat and to steal fall back on their own head and that they are unsuccessful. Would you agree with me in prayer for that? I know it's a weird thing to pray. These are weird times. We're in war and it's a weird war. But one of the ways I think we're going to win this war is through praying prayers like this. So join me in praying for that and also vote in person for 
Rachel Hamm, for Secretary of State for the state of California, so that I can be the chief elections officer for the state of California to give California an honest election. Yeah, uh, we need to get out there and make sure we vote against this person seriously. She cannot be the chief elections officer of California. There is nobody on planet Earth more biased than this person, except for maybe Donald Trump. Anyways, a couple of things I want to point out about this. One of the ways I think we're going to win this war. The fact that she's saying that we're in a war is concerning in its own right. I really do believe that right now we're in a civil cold war. I think we're in a civil cold war. Let me tell you something about democracy. It's one of those things that only exists if people believe it exists. Like money, it only has value if people believe it has value. The more people believe it has value, the more value it actually does have. If people stop believing that there is a democracy, then there isn't a democracy anymore. Republicans gave up on the idea that there was a democracy when Donald Trump came out swinging, claiming that the election was stolen from him and everything. Trump single-handedly destroyed democracy in the United States by sowing seeds of doubt in his supporters. Now that they don't believe that democracy exists because of Donald Trump and the things that he said, it doesn't because they are willing to do anything to take power back. They are willing to lie and cheat and steal and manipulate and do anything that it takes. Ends justify the means mentality, whatever they can to take power back because they think democracy was destroyed. And guess what? The fact that they're willing to do that, the fact that they believe it's been destroyed, means that it is destroyed. Democracy is in a bad place right now in the United States. And in my opinion, we're in a civil cold war at the moment because they're willing to do anything to destroy it. The fact that she's using that type of language is incredibly concerning to me. And here's the other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Rachel Ham just asked us all to pray that there's no cheating in the election, right? So presumably that means there won't be any cheating because God's all powerful and you just revved up your army of prayer warriors to pray for you to make sure there's no cheating, right? So if you lose this election, it means you lost fair and square, it seems to me. Either God's not all-powerful, or he didn't want you to win after all. Seems to me those are the only two options. But you know what that reminded me of? You guys remember Strike and Strike, lady? Strike and Strike and Strike and Strike and Strike and Strike and I find it really strange that people like Rachel Ham are calling on angels to, like, act in, on her behalf, to do her bidding or whatever else. And it reminded me of the Strike and Strike lady. Listen to this. And strike and strike and strike and strike and strike and strike until you have victory for every enemy that is aligned against you. Let there be that we would strike the ground for you will give us victory, God. I hear a sound of abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. The Lord says it is done. This clip is from Election Day 2020, November 4th, 2020. That's when she came out and did this. She was Trump's spiritual advisor. So Paula White, Trump's spiritual advisor, she came out here to pray for Donald Trump to take the presidency because we weren't actually exactly sure who had won yet. We were still counting votes at the time and stuff like that. So she comes out here 
and she does this. The Lord says, it is done, for I hear victory, 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 victory in the quarters of heaven, in the quarters of heaven, victory, 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 for angels are being released right now, angels are being dispatched right now, Hamanda Aka. That's weird, right? She's dispatching angels. She's dispatching angels to do her dirty work, to make sure Trump wins, just like Rachel Ham. Rachel Ham is praying for angels to come in and do this thing or that thing for her, whatever else. Make sure there's no ballot fraud or whatever. This is extra biblical, really. I don't remember anything in the Bible that frames up the world as operating the way that they believe that it does. This is really strange stuff. Angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. She's calling angels from Africa and South America. She's calling them from Africa and South America to guarantee Trump wins. So it seems to me that if you really are capable of calling angels from Africa and South America, and this includes Rachel Ham, if you really can do this, it seems to me that Donald Trump should be president right now, right? You were praying for angels, not praying, I'm sorry, you were calling the angels from foreign parts of the world to come in and guarantee Trump would win. What happened? Does this mean God didn't want Trump to win? That's the conclusion I'm drawing here. If that's the wrong conclusion, then tell me why. You call the angels, the angels come in and do their work, Donald Trump loses. Where's the hang-up? Where's the disconnect? Paula White's not the only one that does this. Rachel Ham's not the only one that does this. Kat Kerr did it too. Listen to this one, early June 2021. Last night I was out there sending five billion of them to go worldwide to make wow. a sweep for a sweep for the next 30 days 24 hours a day to expose any unseen, unknown, wickedness, evil, cheating, stealing, lying, controlling, whether it was spirits or people or humans, to pull them down and to stop the activities and make it known where it's talked about on television, where it's shown in magazines, where people will see and know what's going on. And I sent $5 billion last night out to go do that, and immediately they went, and they're going to wow. go to every state and then every country even some that people don't know about yet are about to find out about it. Wow. Uh, first of all, I love the camo. Sometimes Kat Kerr wears a little badge on her thing here that says Commander Cat too, because she believes herself to be a commander of an angelic army. She calls five billion angels to go around planet Earth and check for ballot fraud. It seems to me that if that's true, Cat. You should believe there was no ballot fraud, right? Same with Paula White. You guys should be out here parading around saying there absolutely wasn't any ballot fraud. And I know that and I can give you a guarantee of that because I sent angels out to make sure of it. It seems to me that's the position you should be taking if you really do buy your own nonsense. But here we are. Somehow God is all powerful and simultaneously too weak to beat Joe Biden. How did that happen? This is Rachel Ham's Ballotpedia article. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this website. It's really interesting. It 
gives you a rundown of everything that you need to know about candidates, when the primary is, when the general election is. Sometimes it gives you polling data. I don't know that this one's giving us polling data, maybe. The race is a nonpartisan primary for California Secretary of State. Shirley Weber, Democrat, it appears to be at the top currently. I don't think this is in alphabetical order. I think this is base, based on polling. I could be wrong there, though. Robert Bernoski is a Republican. Then Gary Blenner, Matthew Sincanta, Independent, Rachel Hamm, Republican, James Payne, Republican, and Raul Rodriguez Jr., another Republican. That's who's in the race right now. Rachel Hamm doesn't appear to have the upper hand. I don't think she's going to win. I think it's probably going to be Shirley Weber, but either way, the person who wins this race is going to be in charge of elections in California. It's important you get out there and vote because we don't need people out there who believe that they can call angels down to change the results of an election. We don't need people like that in office. The primary will occur on June 7th, 2022. The general election will occur on November 8th, 2022. So probably by June 8th, we'll know if Rachel Hamm is on the ballot or not. That's when the primary takes place. So hold your breath. Hope for the best. Now, here's my question for you. Do you think she's going to win? Let me know in the comments. Next, we're going to talk about Kent Christmas's recent bizarre supernatural claims. Give us 30 seconds and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. If you guys are unfamiliar with Kent Christmas, he's a pretty famous televangelist. Famous enough to be on the Victory Network. This is a TV show on the Victory Network called Flashpoint, and this is Kent Christmas on the TV show Flashpoint on the network called Victory. So let's give this a watch. I want to reintroduce you to him because he made some pretty specific claims about Donald Trump, and it gets relevant in a minute to the rest of the story. So let's listen to what he had to say. This is mid-July 2021. Remember that date, about halfway through 2021. I'm encouraged in the Lord. Uh, I think that we've already achieved victory. I think hell is terrifying. What we're seeing now, the things that you showed at the intro of this show begins to just show how God's turning things around. And so that little hell is terrifying statement kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? What did that have to do with absolutely anything at all? I mean, I told you guys at the very beginning here, this segment is about how he feels about Donald Trump. Why did he just bust out hell is terrifying like that? It makes me wonder if psychologically that's in the back of his mind 24 7 hell is terrifying hell is terrifying i don't know i mean i'm not i'm not in the guy's head but just busting that out with absolutely no context right in the middle of a sentence makes me wonder i i say to the men of god hold your ground because we are in a place where God is performing the word of the Lord. And uh, it's a tremendous thing to walk shoulder with shoulder with these men of God that are standing and not compromising, not apologizing, but we are defending the word of the Lord. Yeah, pay attention to that. We're defending the word of the Lord, right? And he says, before the year is over. And uh, I believe that by the time this year is over, 
we will be in a full force of great victory. If Donald Trump is not back in the office by the end of this year, I'm going to be shocked. And I believe we've heard the voice of the Lord. And uh, well, I'm right there with Dutch. He just moved my spirit. I believe the wheels are coming off. Amen. And <laughs> I'm, I'm more encouraged than I've ever been. We're, mm -hmm. And God's doing miracles. Isn't that interesting? What was it he said again? And uh, I believe that by the time this year is over. By the time this year is over, Trump will be back in office. What was it he said specifically? If Donald Trump is not back in the office by the end of this year, I'm going to be shocked. Hey, guess what? We are long past the end of 2021. Are you shocked? Just wait. We're going to find out just how shocked he is in a minute. And what was the other thing he said there? But we are defending the word of the Lord. Defending the word of the Lord. And I guess the word of the Lord is... Donald Trump is supposed to be president. This really is part of their theology. It really is part of their theology. These people up here, if you're curious, from left to right along the top, this is Gene Bailey. He runs the Flashpoint TV show. We've got Hank Kuneman in the top middle, Mario Murillo on the top right, and then bottom center is Dutch Sheets, and then bottom right is the guy we're talking about today, Kent Christmas, Pastor Kent Christmas. They are all deep evangelical extremists, truly deeply to the bottom of their hearts. So needless to say, the dude has worked Trump into his theology, obviously. Not only has he worked Trump into to his theology, but he seems to hate Biden so much that he will make things up about him. Listen to this one. Early January 2022, one year after Biden was inaugurated as president, and he says this. Why is he wearing shades, by the way, inside? Why is he wearing glasses inside? I just want to point that out. The next thing the Lord said is there's going to be wars. Okay, yeah. I guess that was a sign of the end. Wars. Go on. Actually, for the last many, many administrations, way, way back, there has always been war in the earth. Yes, that's true. I agree. And I don't like that. I would like to see the end to wars, especially wars that the U.S. is involved in. Go on. Until the four years of Donald Trump, and there was no war. Uh, what? Yes, there was. We were still in Afghanistan, for one thing. Didn't Donald Trump ramp up drone strikes dramatically during his terms? Didn't he drop what was called the mother of all bombs? I seem to remember something about that. Kabul, Afghanistan, 7.32 p.m. Local time today. When was this article written? April 13th, 2017. The U.S. dropped what was called Moab, a.k.a. the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan. And it was supposedly about as powerful as you get without moving up to nuclear weapons, from my understanding. Um, I haven't researched it a whole lot. I just remember hearing about it. I don't know what this guy's talking about. We weren't involved in wars under Donald Trump. Uh, yes, we were. Yes, we were. There's no way that you could possibly stretch that situation to make it out like Donald Trump didn't have us involved in wars. 30 days after Joe Biden took office, he declared war on Iraq. Uh, okay, what? No, no. That was George Bush. Okay, that was George Bush, and it wasn't 30 days after he entered office. It was long after he entered office, if I remember. What is this guy talking about? He is obviously willing to just make anything up. He will make things up to make his point. This is called an us versus them mentality. 
and an ends justify the means mentality. And this is the defining feature of extremism, in my opinion. You're willing to do whatever it takes to achieve your goals because you believe that success in those goals is all that matters. Getting there is irrelevant or how you get there is irrelevant. This is the heart, the definition of extremism right here. Jehovah's Witnesses have a term for the ends justify the means mentality. It's a hallmark of a cult, and it's called theocratic warfare. That's what they call it. Scientologists have a term for it, too. It's called fair gaming. It's basically the idea that it's perfectly okay to lie or cheat or manipulate or steal or whatever to accomplish your goals because it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you succeed. I guess this guy has decided it's okay to lie to his audience as long as it gets them to hate Joe Biden because that's the goal. And his method of getting there, his means in the ends justify the means mentality is to tell them that Joe Biden started a war with Iraq within 30 days. I think in the ends justify the means mentality, I guess his ends is to make them think that like Armageddon is going to happen any five minutes now. It's like right around the corner. And his means for making that happen is to convince them that Joe Biden started a war with Iraq. Now he's looking around like, is anybody going to question me? Anyone going to hold their hand up and say, no, no, that didn't happen? Nope. Nope, nope, I don't see any hands. Okay, let's keep going. He's got his shades in his hand. Because he's a cool guy. He wants to have shades in his hand. Point him at people like this. Dude also apparently seems to believe that God's given him the power to destroy people at will. This one is mid-December 2021. Listen to what he had to say here. This is right before Christmas. You can tell by the Christmas tree in the background. So those of you that challenged me, those around this nation, those on the Supreme Court, those in Congress, those that stole this election. Nobody stole the election. Saith God, you challenged me, you've challenged the wrong power. Okay, well, to be fair, I guess he said, saith God, you challenged the wrong power. So I guess he's saying that God is more powerful than these people. You know, did you ever consider the fact that everything that happens is by God's will, and if God really wanted Trump to be president, then he would be? Seriously, I, I, this just isn't adding up to me. Either God is weak and ineffectual, or he's all-powerful. It can only be one, right? I mean, is there a possibility that maybe God just doesn't care what happens in American politics on this little planet? He doesn't care. He's not real or he's not all powerful. One of those three things has to be the case or Trump would be president right now. Or you could be wrong and God actually likes Joe Biden, I guess. That could be a possibility too. Dude also believes in faith healing, apparently. Listen to this one. This is late December 2021 also. All right, this is what we need to do. We need to break this curse that has been spoken over this nation by the media. Uh, the media spoke a curse. Okay, I'm with you so far, I guess. This curse that has come from the White House. If you have a incurable disease, I can't pray for everybody, so I limit to this. Have an incurable. I can't pray for everybody, so I limit it to those who have an incurable disease. 
go on. An incurable disease or you have a terminal disease. If you can find your way over here, I'll lay hands on you, got to heal you. It's just that easy. He's got a mega church, of course, and he believes in faith healing. How crooked is that? He's calling people up who have a terminal illness so that he can heal them. This is deeply sad, really. This is deeply sad. He can't possibly believe that he's capable of this, can he? Does he actually believe this? We pray the prayer of faith, and the Bible says God heals the sick. So it's just that easy, it's that simple, just boom. Well, actually, the part of the Bible that he's probably talking about that mentions faith healing, that's in the last chapter of Mark, uh, Mark 16. That's the final chapter of Mark. As it turns out, Mark chapter 16, the last half of that chapter, was fabricated years later. And that's known by scholars. In fact, Bibles don't even include those verses anymore because we've realized that it was just made up after the fact. Let me show you a little example of what is in those last, like, few verses in the last chapter of Mark. Verses 9 to 20, there's a little section in there that says the earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses don't have verses 9 to 20. It was fabricated after the fact. This is widely accepted by a lot of Bible translations. They're fake verses. Let me just read, like, the, the important parts. This is after Jesus was resurrected, and he came back and met up with his fellows or whatever. And he said to them, Go to all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. This is where the hellfire teaching really got a foothold. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, deliverance ministry, you know, doing exorcisms and things like that. They will speak in new tongues, speaking in tongues. That's from the faked verses of Mark. They will pick up snakes with their hands, snake handling, and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Faith healing. This is all from fake verses of the book of Mark. Verses added centuries later. We know for a fact that these were not in the original manuscripts. After the Lord Jesus spoke to them, he was taken up to heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. And then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. This faith healing bit that Kent Christmas is doing here is from fake verses of Mark. And you know, if he actually succeeded in healing people who had incurable illnesses... And he did it through faith and faith alone, just by prayer. I would, I could believe it. I could be convinced. But there's never any evidence of it. Isn't that interesting? Never evidence that he actually heals anybody. And if he was actually capable of healing people like he claims that he is, what is he doing standing on this stage and not at a hospital healing everybody in it? It is like one of the most immoral, unethical, evil things in existence. For him to be capable of healing people from incurable diseases, and instead of standing at a hospital doing that, he's standing at his church begging for donations. It's that simple, just boom. And also, though, while I'm praying, if you have some kind of issue you're dealing with, you're diabetic or whatever, you put your hand on yourself because there's an atmosphere of healing in this building. Yeah, this is actually getting straight up dangerous. He's telling diabetics that they can heal themselves if they put their hand on their chest or whatever because there's an air of healing here or whatever. How many of these people 
will risk going home and not taking their medicine anymore because they believe they've been healed. How many? He has a mega church. Certainly some put it to the test, believed that he had the power. This is straight up dangerous. And not only that, guess what? It gets worse. Late January 2022, just a month after that one, he comes out and says this. Uh, recently had a lady in our church that had stage four cancer and uh, we begin to pray in the service and she began to get sick, had to leave, went back uh, to the hotel room, began to throw up, threw up all that night, all the next day, black stuff. Went back to the doctor, they couldn't find any cancer in her. What happened? The prayers, the declaration of the church lifted up the shield of faith. And when the lies of the devil came against us, came against her, the shield of faith outlasted the fiery arrows. Yeah, I'm going to disregard the claim whole cloth. I don't believe that anybody in your church was cured by faith of stage four cancer. And I think it's grotesque that anybody would even suggest such a thing. I do want to point out this this interesting little tidbit right here. Lifted up the shield of faith. And when the lies of the devil. Right there. Lifted up the shield of faith. And when the lies of the devil came against her or whatever, came against it, it didn't succeed. He seems to hold a similar viewpoint to this as Greg Locke. Greg Locke seems to believe that, like, there are no physical ailments. There's no such thing as addiction. There's no such thing as cancer, no such thing as any mental conditions of any sort, anything at all. It is all demon possession. He, he's specifically named conditions. Some of you have given the devil legal authority and grounds and rights to your life because you believe the medical diagnosis when a doctor looks you in the face and says, well, what you have is bipolar disorder. What you have is a spirit that needs to be cast out so you can have some peace is what you've got. Multiple personality disorder. It's demonization is what it is. 1,000%. I don't care what the newspaper says. Get them off that medication for about 45 hours and let me and the deliverance team walk up in one of them crazy houses with some Bibles and some anointing oil. And I'm telling you, we can cast out the spirit of multiple personality, insanity, madness, the lunatic spirit. He even said autism is actually demon possession. He said that. On three occasions... Kids were brought to Jesus, not of their own will, of their own volition, but by their parents, that had epileptic fits, anger issues, outbursts of emotion. And because we've called it possession, parents refuse to deal with it. Are you telling me my kid's possessed? No, I'm telling you, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. This guy seems to have a similar viewpoint to the whole situation, and it is truly grotesque to listen to somebody say something to his congregation that will almost certainly cause people pain and suffering, more pain and suffering than they're already dealing with. That's not where the bizarre stuff ends with this guy, though. It gets even weirder, if you can believe it. Listen to this one, mid-May 2022. This is a fairly recent one, and it shows us how he views 
God and, and what he thinks God can do for you. Years ago, there was a certain car I wanted so bad, did not have the money. And I went out of my garage and I visualized where that car was going to sit. And I would come out there and I said, Lord, I thank you for this car. One day I walked out in my garage and I didn't have to, by faith, say, Lord, I thank you for this car. I opened the door and got in it because I believed that I had it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's the important stuff right there. Jesus is doing the important stuff. He's making sure that Kent Christmas, millionaire, question mark, millionaire televangelist, making sure he has a nice, beautiful car. Not actually curing people of terminal illnesses. God is more worried about Kent Christmas having a car. And the guy is literally crying on stage. Literally crying. Or at least pretending to cry anyways. He wants people to think he's emotional either way. But, you know, I got to listening to this, and it reminded me of something. You guys remember this guy? He's in my channel trailer, Manuel Johnson. I don't know if you guys have seen this clip in a while. Let me play this clip for you. Early August 2021, Manuel Johnson has a message for us. I was going down from the mountain, just in awe. Just in awe of what just happened to me. And the voice comes. He says... My son. They have to cry when these when they tell these stories, don't they? They have to. It's obligatory. Go get our bike. He's our like, bike. Go get, go get our bike, not oh. your bike. This is not. So it wasn't just about me. He says, "Go get our bike." Wow. He's crying. No joke. The dude is crying. And Steve, I just broke down. I just broke down right there at the foot of the mountain. I just broke down. Go get our bike? What do you, what, Lloyd? Go get our bike? Yes. Yeah. And when the Lord directed me to the bike, it's a BMW. This is too much, dude. I can't. I cannot. This is too much. The guy is telling us Jesus is more worried about making sure Manuel Johnson gets a BMW motorcycle rather than making sure that, what, 9 million people in Africa have enough food to eat? Is that what he's trying to tell us? He's more concerned with Kent Christmas having a big, expensive, beautiful car than making sure that we can cure cancer, that people with cancer diagnoses don't die. God is really more concerned with that. Are people like this for real? Are they for real? Do they believe the things that they say? I truly don't know about people like this. With Kent Christmas, I'm thinking he's not for real, but it is so hard to tell. I think he knows that he's full of it. I don't know, man. Let me know what you think in the comments. I can't tell with these guys. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues 
issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.